This is episode 30 of the Gameology Podcast, and I am one of your hosts, Matthew Falvey. And I am Attila Gabriel Brunetsky. So today we're talking about signposting in games. What does that mean? That means knowing where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, and the different extremes of that and the fine balance that we hope games can achieve. Yeah, it's just it's it's about having a sense like what you're knowing what your objective is, first of all. Uh, knowing how to get there, knowing how to accomplish it. So Yeah. Now if I'm I was thinking about this today and on the one hand you have a game Let's take the first Legend of Zelda, for mm-hmm. example. Um, the the optimum way to play that game, some would say the only game way to play it, is to go immediately left, talk to an old man in a little house or a cave. Mm-hmm. He gives you a sword. It's very easy to miss that completely and never find it. The game never tells you that. That could be a bad design decision. In a modern sense, it probably would be, yeah. Absolutely. It depends on, like, is with a, with a game, especially games of that era, there's a lot fewer assumptions um that the developer is making of the player like nowadays they um know to include like um you know things to 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 guide the player and if there's like some crucial important things the player needs to be able to progress they know um to be able to like point them in those directions um but when you when you play these games with these like zelda style games or even some some games revel in this nowadays of like um, not holding the player's hand. They make yeah. it a big point of it. Th- there are merits to that. Um, like if we look at the other extreme of it, there are games where um, everything is on your map at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Yeah. And what would happen is they didn't even give me a chance to go and discover a side quest or talk to somebody and find out what's going on. I would walk past somebody and all these like uh, markers would pop up and it's like, okay, I guess I got to go to that guy. Mm-hmm. Now something's going on. So I, I really missed discovering things organically in yeah. that way. Um, another way that can be a problem of overholding your hand is just constantly having a, a marker that says, go this way, go this way, go this way. And you end up spending more time looking at a map than the actual game. Now, some other games that I've seen that have kind of struck a nice balance were Morrowind is a good example. Mm-hmm. Now, in Morrowind, characters will tell you, you want to go to this town, and they give you directions the old-fashioned way before people had GPS on their phones, where you had to remember the directions. The directions were written down for you in a journal. Mm-hmm. You'd consult them. You would actually look at the landscape. You'd get to know the land a bit, and you would sort of form a connection with the environment. You might remember that that way was treacherous because mm-hmm. you had to fight these different... Um, maybe you got lost. Maybe you ran into somebody, and that's kind of the magic of those games. Uh Firewatch did that really, really well. They do give you an electronic assist, but you can turn that off, mm-hmm. sort of like the compass marker, but it's it's a game set in the 70s, so it makes more sense to just look at a map, have some directions, get to know your environment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a constant battle between having too much or too little. I think the thing that's going to drive people away from a game is not having enough. I know that you were mentioning yeah. you had an experience like that. The, yeah, this is originally what made me think about it is that Lately, I've been trying to get into... I'd never played Red Dead Redemption, so I thought, I'm going to give that a shot. And I was having a lot of fun with that. I was really surprised at, first off, how good that game still looks, mm-hmm. considering it's a gigantic open world, and it was put out, what, 2008 or 10? Quite a while. It was put on the, the Xbox 360 era. And uh, it still looks great. This um, cinematography, blah, blah, blah. All the presentation is rock star quality. But... I was given a, a submission by a, a sobbing man to go find his son. And you go up to this area and he just says, go up to Hanging Rock. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm just going to go to Hanging Rock and it's not giving me any information. But 
Then I'm supposed to search an area of I don't know how large mm-hmm. to find I don't know what. Mm-hmm. And when I looked it up online, it says, oh, you need to go here. You need to find this blood. And I did like a, a circle formation that mm-hmm. was small and, and gradually got larger, like some kind of crazy orbit. And I didn't find any blood. And then I thought maybe I had broken it by adding. I was trying to kill two birds with one stone. I thought, mm-hmm. well, if I'm going to go there, I'm going to load up on a couple other quests in yeah. that area. So I thought maybe I wasn't triggering it. But it just it was like a real momentum killer. I was going to stream that episode too. So I thought, who wants to just watch me look for some blood? And then every two minutes, a roaming bandits come at you and then you're like firing at them. So I thought that was a real killer in that game. But maybe for people at the time or to come out, that was the beauty of it. It was more of like a meditative game of just enjoying that journey of finding those things. But for me, it was a killer. I think it's it's always the, the potential for frustration is incredibly high. Um, it should be, in my opinion, one of those things where at any point you can request assistance yeah. for like, okay, I had my fun looking for this. No, seriously, where is it? Absolutely. Now, the a game I mentioned before that does this is Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Dead Space has, uh, you're a guy in a ship and you need to maneuver to different areas of the ship. And if you ever get lost, you can hold down the stick mm-hmm. and you get this sort of... Um, it's like a like a path sort of yeah, lights up. Yeah, we mentioned up. it before in Psych and Bioshock Infinite, the same thing. Okay, yeah, exactly. And and the way they do it, they try to explain it, and I think it holds enough water that it's not too immersion-breaking. But that's the perfect opportunity is that you have it there if people get lost. Um, I guess you're always kind of at the point where you could over-abuse it, um, mm. but that's again, that's up to the player, and I think exactly. that in video games, you need to rely on the player to make their own choices. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where... like the sticking point comes from what's the default setting? Like, do you have a HUD marker on by default? Do you have a HUD marker appear automatically after five minutes? Do you have it so that the player has to call up the HUD marker every time because that can get frustrating? Um, Do you have a setting somewhere where the player can toggle all of this? And then again, what's the default? Because it's so hard to gauge. Some people are so vehemently against the quote-unquote hand-holding while some people are desperate for it. Well, I mean, if let's take a look at the Red Dead example. Sure. I was told to go to the Hanging Rock. I looked at my map. I saw where Hanging Rock was. I went to it. That's all good. Mm-hmm. I get to the area. I'm not really sure what I'm looking for. Could, they could go with a system where if you're in that area for like five minutes, mm-hmm. um, maybe they offer a clue at that point. That would that could take a lot of coding, though, and a lot of... Um, like to to make sure that would happen for every single submission in that game, yeah. that could be a problem. We there's something like that happens. I think in Mario Galaxy one or two, where if you fail a stage a few times, they offer you, do you want to just have this? Um, do you want to skip through completed? This? Yeah. So in that instance, maybe having sort of a hidden marker that I could just click down on and having because I already had enough information to do yeah. it. If you can signpost to the gamer, this is the general direction you need to go, mm-hmm. but not tell you exactly where it is. Yeah. That's sort of the sweet spot. But I mean, I'm not saying that I have all the answers with it. I'm just more complaining it's, about it's it. It's really a case-by-case basis, right? Because if you're, if you're playing a, like, a 2D game, um, having the general direction of where you're supposed to go is a much more significant tell. Um, if you're playing a like super traditional game and you're moving from left to right, you don't need a directional guide because the assumption is going right makes progress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you're playing a game that has a bit more in the way of alternate paths, um, you probably want some way of keeping track of which way 
which way you've been, which way, um, like how do you get to point A from point B? How do you get to point D? What's the like path I need to take to get through there? Um, that's why I added, added a huge like map screen to Zarnok Fortress. And then uh, in like the latest version of the game, I revised it so that rather than just putting a question mark onto zones you hadn't been to yet, I had them, uh, I had the name, like the, the letter code for that specific room uh, visible to the player so that you could see like, oh, that's where I'm supposed, that's where I want to go. I want to go to the room labeled W5, but now I, um, now I actually know where W5 is on that map as opposed to just like, oh, well, I want to go to W5, but, and I assume it's somewhere in the weapons manufacturing zone. Right. Um, so yeah, having, having that like a little bit more information available to the player, um, definitely made it easier to navigate. Uh, cause it's, it's one of those things where as I was making the game, I became incredibly familiar with how the uh, lay of the levels worked. I remember, I know like all the paths, I know how to get to any level from any level. And um, it's just not something that I ended up thinking about all that much in terms of like, well, if someone's never played this game before, um, yes, they need to get to level W5. And that's probably in the weapons manufacturing zone. And that's probably enough information for them to go on because there's only five levels in the W zone. You're going to find it. It's a linear path. Um, but in terms of even like getting there, in terms of like, well, what's the room I have to go to to get to the weapons manufacturing zone? Some of these things, um, you just require a little bit more information. And then when you actually entered into a level and you'd explored it before, then it changes color to denote that. So players have a, a better sense of like, oh, I haven't explored there yet. I should go there. Now that brings up something I want to talk about with a game called Small Radio's Big Televisions. So this is uh, an indie game where you explore point and click style, mm -hmm. a sort of like an oil rig thing in the future. You discover tapes, you enter the tapes, and they're more of like an on rails visual sort of audio experience. Okay. And you use um, different magnet types, devices, things. It's very point-and-click adventure style to change those and, and sort of affect the experiences in a way. Mm -hmm. Psychedelic game. I was having a lot of fun with it. And you you sort of rotate um, the oil rig around and choose the door you want to go. It zooms in. It goes in, into the different hallways and mm -hmm. different rooms. All well and good. I was having a great time. But the problem is that when you've missed something and when this game requires you to do a lot of different backtracking, they have a map. But it, the map is almost useless because yeah. it doesn't say where you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say where you've been. So, and these, you're looking at basically panels. So if I click on one door, it just takes me to another area. Yeah. I didn't walk down the hallway. I didn't see where that was going. Mm -hmm. And I ended up bouncing off this game pretty hard after really trying to get through it. Because you didn't um, have a sense of position. Exactly. And if I, if I have to go through and check every room again, or if I have to remember where was that? Okay, now I have this final piece. Yeah. Sometimes I would spend... 10 minutes just clicking, clicking randomly. And it's not even in a linear fashion. Mm -hmm. So I can't just, well, as long as I just go down this hallway and open up every door on the way, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You're kind of zigzagging all over the place. And that really hurt the game. And, and I felt that it had a lot of potential that I would have loved to see how it turned out. Mm -hmm. But after, you know, 10, 20 minutes of kind of dicking around with that, I felt like I'm going to be running into this too often. And it really hurt the experience of that game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where like, the more non-linear in experience ends up being, um, the more important it is to have a functional map. Um, I remember when Sonic Boom came out for the Wii U, 
among other things, one significant problem with that game is that the map didn't show the players facing direction. So you would hit start to look at your map and there's no like compass dial to show like your characters looking this way. So the only way to figure out which way you're going on that map was to start one, like look at your position on the map, start wandering in some arbitrary direction and be like, oh darn, I've just been walking down when I should have been walking up. Turn around and like reorient and start walking that way. And it's just like one of the most simple things of like how did nobody realize this was a problem? And it's likely because the developers were incredibly familiar with that world and they just knew by looking at the overhead where they were in the game and then they didn't feel it was necessary to put a compass dial on the map but it's crucial mm-hmm. you know and in all the times that i can criticize um hand holding with the waypoints with something in mankind divided the latest deus ex game i found as a problem is that like i don't need you to always tell me where to go but i would like the ability to set a waypoint mm-hmm. so that if i open up my map and i know i need to go in this direction there was no mini map yeah and if there was there even if there was, there I I felt like in that game I constantly was opening the map up and going into the start screen, yeah. killing momentum, bringing you out of the game to just look at the stupid map. It felt like a tourist, and it was something that really didn't need to be a problem. I mean, just be able to we've been able to set waypoints on maps for over a decade or two yeah. decades now. So it's like little features like that. But I think that's a good point of yours is that you you're so familiar with the game. I'm I'm wondering like. I'm surprised not um, games don't get harder because of that. Mm-hmm. Because I imagine when they're making those first platform games like Mega Man and some of these yeah. really impossible games, they would get so good because they spend, I don't know, six months or a year or two years yeah. programming. They're like, oh, this is simple. Why would this be hard for you? Yeah. You don't need more lives than this. This is no problem. Right. Well, I mean, if you, if you, I just went back and played Mega Man X uh, recently. I got it on Virtual Console. And oh my God, that game is so difficult. Like, the fact that you die to a mini boss in the middle of the stage and they put you back at the beginning. Yeah. I would never have done that. You know, I designed Zarnok Fortress in the way that you, you get progress markers way more frequently. And it, it just sort of underscores the fact that like Zarnok Fortress was inspired by Mega Man ZX, which is a wonderful DS title that I would recommend if you're into action platformers. Um, and it still had a lot of the tropes of Mega Man in terms of difficulty. Um, but it had the it had a map system that a lot of people kind of criticized in terms of like um, they were just a series of nodes. You didn't have any sense of like, well, okay, I see that I'm in area A five, and that's supposed to link up to area B. Um, where's the door for that? Do I have to go to my left to my right? It's just like this sort of very abstract map. And a lot of the times, even though I've played through that game like three times, I still have to go look up. It's like, how do I get to like zone H again? It's, it's, uh, it's a yeah. weird thing. Um, and you know, this, these kind of, um, th- these are the things that if people are looking for it, it needs to be there because mm. ne- never mind. um, being in the moment and knowing where you're supposed to be going if you like come back to a game after some amount of time and there's just this assumption that like oh you knew where you were going we don't have to remind you not being able to like call on a companion or something like that i mean you either get the sense that the game wants you to just quit out and start over from scratch or you just abandon it once again because you can't pick up from where you left off um which is why I really appreciate games like Twilight Princess and even Skyward Sword. As much as everybody dislikes Fee, uh, she was useful in terms of being able to call upon her at any time to say, like, 
what am I doing? Where am I supposed to be going? Yeah. And even like within a dungeon specific hints of like, what, what should I be looking for in here? Um, that was and, a big problem with early JRPGs is mm -hmm. that there was, nobody was marking that down. If you didn't write that down or yeah. remember it, good luck. Yeah. And that's the thing is that you had to physically write these things down. And I, I, I know that some people really like that feeling of like, oh yeah, I had to make my own map. Sure. Well, okay. I mean, I think it's one of those things where like, if you want to do that, go ahead. You no one's can. stopping you. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel that the, the more you rely on things that are external to a game, um, like having to look things up if they're not clear or have to consult the internet to figure out how to go someplace or just the, the more things that just actually take you away from the game, the less likely you are, less likely you are to return to it. And that mm -hmm. goes for um, physically knowing where you are, um, trying to figure out what your objective is, uh, even just things of like insurmountable difficulty if like you can't figure out how to beat this boss because there's some hidden cheat or whatever you're supposed to do that if you don't follow this exact order of special attacks in this particular boss battle then you're not exploiting a hidden weakness and you're never going to win like a sticker star <laughs> um no i was actually talking about the one of the particular final fantasy games i played but okay. it's, yeah, well that, that was a big problem is, with uh, a lot of especially old adventure games um, police quest is one example where mm -hmm. if you forgot to read them the rights and then you took them to jail this is a, like a, a typing adventure mm -hmm. game with visuals you you'll get uh you'll get a game over oh, but great. if you had saved mm -hmm. in between the time that you took them to jail which could be 20 minutes of mm -hmm. gameplay or longer there was no going back you mm -hmm. could you couldn't undo the damage you had done and it meant you were going to start that i had started that game over a few times oh and there's there you know, there's plenty of games that would uh, that have that problem. So, you know, um, this morning, I I heard a lot of people talking about Grow Home, mm -hmm. and I I didn't give that much of a chance when I first played it. So I fired it up again, and I was really enjoying it. Um, and I think it was about the third or fourth time, I didn't know how to get to the next area, mm -hmm. and I just kept growing these plants up higher and higher, and then running out of flight flower and just falling to my death. And then having to make my way all the way up there. And I think it was the third or fourth time where as I started falling, I just, I turned it off. And it's like, I'm all for a challenge. Mm -hmm. But when it's just kind of banging your head against like, where am I supposed to go? I don't know if this is really a puzzle so much as I just don't know what the next phase is in the plan. And not having a quick, and, and that's okay if there's a quick way to get back mm -hmm. to it. And they do have teleporters in that game, which yeah. which make a lot of sense. But they're not necessarily spread out in a way that's going to cover all the area especially in that game you're able to grow these um plants off in any direction you choose yeah so you might be able to get back to a, a certain area so yeah so what, what it sounds like you're describing to me is an issue where you have too much possibility space and that is absolutely a thing of like too much choice mm -hmm. um if you have these uh like a myriad of abilities um and it's not well trained in your brain as to which ability you're supposed to use in a given circumstance then it can be easily overwhelming like how how you're supposed to solve a particular puzzle um you know if if you're playing a game where all your character can do is jump then you know okay if i have if that's my goal and you've put my goal on the map i can get there by jumping mm -hmm. because that is my only ability um if you can jump and also like hold jump to 
float or something, then you're like, okay, so I have to do some combination of jumping up to a high place and then holding A to float or whatever to get to this objective point. The more things you introduce, the more mechanics that you're given at a particular time, um, the more sort of mental load you're putting on the player of like, well, now I have to try all these things because it's not clear to me which combination of them will allow me to succeed. And that's, again, another situation where having the ability to call up a hint of like, don't don't even tell me how to solve this. Just like, tell me how to go about it. That would be great. Um, and this is something that you can do incredibly well in Portal. You know, this is a, something I constantly go back to as like a, a phenomenal way of um, teaching a player how to do things. When you're playing Portal, you have a lot of different things available to you, but fundamentally the the only tool that you have to use at any one single time is the Portal Gun. So even if a specific level, you ha- you always have the ability to move and create portals. Okay, that's a given. Um, but then a particular level might also have like some lasers that you need to redirect or a light bridge that you need to extend with the portal. And it's broken up into a way where you can make clear progress because specific sections of a given level are almost like cordoned off. Like you have to figure this out first before you can even get to another part of it. And that kind of um, makes it so that people aren't uh, getting this sort of mental overload of like, there's too much stuff in this level. Like there's, even if all they did was make a huge and complex level and then add walls to it. So you only see a certain number of things at a time. It helps clue your brain into like, oh, okay, I guess I should use that with that. Um, It's never a matter of like, well, I need to grab this ball from this end of the level, walk all the way over to the other end of the level, drop it over here. And then that activates something way back from where I started with. They're not out to create that kind of busy work because there's no point. Right. There's just, there shouldn't be. That's just bad game design. It's just, Anytime you're making the player run back and forth to complete an objective like that, you're just stretching out the game. Um, if there's like some specific set of challenges that you have in mind for the player that like going from point A to point B is a unique experience and then going back from point B to point A um, is a different experience to like going in reverse is actually a novel experience or it leads in a sort of circular fashion so that point b is directly above point a and once you get there you can just drop down you have a shortcut that's That's fine yeah but you don't you just don't want to create that um sort of back and forth because not only is it just incredibly tedious but it isn't intuitive for people and that makes them require hints and all these things that just really end up adding to development overhead if you want to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that, and, and that is an interesting thing that's that a lot of Bethesda games have in in that they can make the wandering useful. Mm-hmm. That's a game that you don't mind exploring. In fact, most, I mean, many people would say that's the preferred way to playing those games yeah. is to just pick a direction and go. But those games are filled with um, random encounters with enemies. Yeah. And not only that, um, NPCs that have their own stories, mini arcs, quests that you can come on, and things you can find in the environment that you can read that tell their own. I mean, the the game is full of these little mini stories and arcs that that make it interesting. Yeah. Now, walking around on a world map screen of a JRPG game and only getting into random battles is not interesting. No, that is just like it's tantamount to padding. When the developer is basically saying that you're going to get from point A to point B, and I'm going to leave it up to complete chance 
what kind of experience you're going to have from here to there, whether you're going to have five encounters, two encounters, what kind of things you're encountering from here to there. When that's all just left up to chance, you're basically saying that you have nothing of value to show to the player from those two specific <laughs> I got points. nothing. I, yeah, I know I'm, uh, I'm coming down hard on that kind of thing, but I, I genuinely believe that like the more you leave up to chance, um, the less likely it is that you're going to end up with an experience that's well-crafted. Uh, I mentioned this in the Shadowrun case study, I'll mm-hmm. say it real quick, is that they would have random events trigger that had both good and bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. They would start off like the same event, somebody in trouble, and then it would be very random or how you dealt with it, and you had multiple different options, so it felt like more of an organic and dramatic experience. You know, one game that does signposting incredibly well is Journey. Mm-hmm. Journey starts you off and gives you subtle hints as to where to go. It doesn't tell you anything, but when you look around and you see desert yeah. that's empty and yeah. then off you there's only one direction that has something off in the distance yeah you head towards it absolutely and you just head towards the highest things mm-hmm. and you just head towards things that have movement and have color and there are no words in that game but it all works because of corridors and because of visual signposting i yeah. think it's it's definitely a master class i'm really glad that you brought that up as an example because it's a it's a great um sort of uh example uh, of where you can use things that aren't just like a diamond on your HUD yeah. as a way of saying this is the way to go. You can create um, subtle like psychological things. Um, I remember reading in a particular book that there was a game where um, people were like flying through a level and they ended up opening onto this like wide open space, and then they were like, "Well, where do I go? It's too wide open. I don't know what to do." So the developers put a line along the ground, just like some sort of decoration that guided players. And then they found that the opposite sort of thing was happening where people didn't realize they could explore the space. They were just following the line. Okay. So it's one of those things where just because of the, the art, people were being influenced along this very particular path. And what they had to do was they said, okay, well, in this room where you can explore, there are three branch points where you have either path A, B, or C. We need to draw a line to each of them so that players know that these are all viable alternatives and that they can go between any of them as they choose. Right, right. Or having, I mean, if you were showing like a city skyline, you mm-hmm. could have it so it appears wide enough that you can yeah. go off or different different landmarks in the distance, like, you know, mountain, like maybe a mountain in one area and a, a like a skyscraper in one and then a temple or just a line in another. Yeah. I mean, that's all different ways of doing what you had just said. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's actually rather difficult to like construct the sight lines properly and make it so that one and only one significant thing is calling out to the player but not making it look desolate. Yes. It's very difficult to do right and it's something that Dark Souls is really good at. Yeah. Um, you know, if it, it's a game that has a open world, but it you're exploring like one path at a time in that world. And the the points where those paths sort of break out and coalesce are very like tightly controlled, so that you never feel like you're getting lost in the same way. The level, the level design in Dark Souls and Bloodborne is genius. Mm-hmm. You, they know exactly how far to. There are so many amazing shortcuts in that game. Yeah, especially in a game like that where you're worried about making it back to yeah. safety, and the way that you can explore another path and it loops you around. Mm-hmm. I mean, the it, the pathing in that game is is one of the most underrated parts of it and that is not talked about enough. Right. And these are all examples of like, you know, 
AAA developers creating experiences. And I'm sure that when people say that they don't want handholding, it's because they're thinking of these kind of things where they say, well, look, these guys didn't have to do any handholding and they pulled this amazing thing off. And I would, I, I acknowledge that and I think that's great, but I think that, uh, as I say a lot of times, presenting players with more information is never a bad thing. Yeah. Um, giving people the option of having that information is always a good thing. So at the end of the day, making it available to those who need it, that's great. And if people don't want to make use of it, they don't have to. And that's going to bring us to the end of this. My name has been Matthew Favai. I'm on Twitter at GameThinkTalk or YouTube under a 90s kid. And you can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro to stay on top of all my up-and-coming game news. Bye for now. Bye.